Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we will see a prototype of prayer as exemplified by the Apostle Paul. It's legitimate to say that you can learn to pray like an apostle, and as you learn, you'll reinforce what you've already discovered in Ephesians. Not a surprise, the title of this week's message is Pray Like an Apostle. Please follow along with Pastor Jim in today's slice of this week's message. Well, come back with me to Ephesians chapter 1. As a preacher, I can tell you that um, working with this chapter is a little bit like participating in an avalanche. Uh, You have to start small. You have to take bite sizes of things. And then uh, today, the ball is rolling, and um, brace yourself. We're going to study nine verses today. And as it was in verses 3 through 14, we're going to study one sentence today. This one might be the second longest sentence in uh, the Bible. This one is 169 words long in the Greek, but it's all one unit. And I've titled it, Pray Like an Apostle. And I think that you'll be able to see why that is. For several weeks, we've harped on the fact that verses 3 through 14 is this litany of this incredible array of what is summarized in verse 3 as every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And then he um, talks about the past, he talks about the present, he talks about the future, and then... As you'll see when we get to verse 15 today, it starts with, for this reason. What reason? Well, what he's just said, all of that stuff about who you are in Christ. Because of what is true about the riches that are ours in Christ, there's a way that we can pray for one another. There's a way that that the Apostle Paul prayed for his friends and as he would pray for us and as he would want us to pray for one another. I'd like you to think back to um, about the last 10 things that you prayed about. A couple of them might have been meals. And mind you, I have no delusion that you can remember the last 10 things that you prayed about. But by any chance, did any of them have to do with yourself, your circumstances, or maybe an illness, maybe an issue related to money or employment, something like that. Now, it's not a bad thing at all to pray about such matters. Those are the realities of life. All of those things can represent what uh, James calls various trials that we fall into or that we uh, encounter. But I think you're about to see that you can most certainly improve the depth and the impact of your prayers. You can think of this passage as a a, a prototype of prayer as exemplified by the Apostle Paul. It's legitimate to say that from this text you can learn to, well, uh, pray 
as an apostle, even though you aren't one. And as you learn, you will also, just tangentially, reinforce what you have already discovered so far in Ephesians. Well, here's where we're going to learn to pray like an apostle. We'll start with the general prayer in verses 15 through 17, and then some specifics in verses 18 through 23, and then I'll try to give you some applications, some general principles to take these things and learn to pray as an apostle might pray. Let's look at the, at the general prayer, if you will, verses 15 through 17. It starts out with, for this reason. So this is one of those passages you dare not memorize unless you're quite familiar with what comes before it. For this reason, because of what you have in Christ. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now let's look at who He prays for and then how He prays for them. Well, who does He pray for? Well, He says, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are those who have faith and love. In other words, he's praying for people who have sound doctrine rooted in who Christ is and what he has done and a visible manifestation of the effects of proper doctrine. If you believe the right thing, you will demonstrate your faith and it will show up in the love that you have for one another in the body of Christ. True commitment In faith to the Word of God, true commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ always shows itself in a lifestyle of service to others. Paul prayed for these people simply because, well, they were fellow believers in Christ. It's not because they were sick or they needed a job. I'm sure that some of them were sick. I'm sure that some of them probably did need a job. But nearly every prayer in the New Testament is a prayer for spiritual growth and for the most effective use of the Word of God. And in that is a lesson concerning what to pray for. We'll talk about that more as we wrap up this morning. Now, notice how Paul prayed for these people. In those three verses that we just read, There is thanksgiving. Every time you know of a believer in Christ, you have a reason to give thanks. Look what God did in, as as Amazing Grace says, saved a wretch like me. Every one of them is the same. Every other believer is the same. And then there's a request that they would grow in their understanding. May God give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Now, that doesn't mean that he prayed that they would receive the Holy Spirit. They already have the Holy Spirit. He's not praying that you'll receive the Spirit of God, but he's praying about an attitude that he wants to be developing within you, a certain kind of um, attitude in the Spirit. What Paul was praying for is that God might so work in the lives of these brothers and sisters in Christ, that 
they would have the spiritual wisdom and understanding in Him, which is the result of the Holy Spirit's work of energizing the human spirit. He's praying for a spiritual maturity, a a continual growth. In other words, he, he wasn't praying that they would get more information. He's praying that they would get more comprehension of the information that was already available to them. Remember, for this reason, because of all that you have, I want you to grow in your understanding of that. that. So he's praying on behalf of believers for what theologians call illumination. Now, this is probably a review for you, but just in case it isn't, this is three words you have to understand and keep distinct. Revelation, inspiration, and illumination. Revelation is what God gives to us. He makes it known, God making Himself known in the Scriptures. Now, it is impossible for us to fully know God. Why? Well, let's see. He's infinite, I'm finite. He's the Creator, I'm the creature. I cannot possibly grasp everything about Him. As a matter of fact, I couldn't even know Him in a personal way if He didn't make Himself known to me. You can read Romans chapter 1. Just by, just by creation, everybody should know there is a God and that He's very powerful. But to know Him, He has to make Himself known. That's revelation. That word comes from a, a Greek word that means hidden and the preposition from. It comes from hidden. It, it can't be known until God makes it known. That is revelation. That's the content of what He makes known. This book is revelation from God. Now, how did we get this book? Turn to the word inspiration. Inspiration is what the Holy Spirit uh, did with the human authors of of Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is inspired by God. That word is literally God-breathed. God breathed it out. Spirit is the same word for breath. The Holy Spirit gave that Word guided the the human authors of that word. The description of how it works is in Second Peter one twenty one. Uh, men were moved by the Holy Spirit. They were guided along in the process. So revelation is what we have received. Inspiration is the process by which we got it. Now comes illumination. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit who inspired it. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in giving you understanding of the inspired revelation of God. So, remember when Justin Peter was, Peters was here and we talked about this at length? It is a very dangerous, wrong thing to say that God gives revelation to people outside of the Bible. I read something uh, just, just this week. It was, a, it was a pastor who did something in total contradiction to the Scriptures, and his explanation was, the Lord just told me what I needed to do, and I did it. Okay, so God contradicts Himself, right? He told you in His Word, this is wrong, you're doing it, and you said God told you to do it. Any, anyone who claims that God speaks to them in addition to what He has said in the Scriptures is at best misguided. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.